Would you please stand with me as we read God's Word? And at the conclusion of the Word, if you are in agreement, would you respond with, thanks be to God. Uh, Reading today comes from Luke chapter 2. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out to Luke chapter 2. First, wow, that video that we just saw, that was amazing. Brothel to Baptist Church, right? I, when I see that video, I don't know if, if y'all do, but I want to give to that, and, I'm, and I will give to that, and I hope that you do too. Uh, what a great cause for Christ. Um, my name is R.C. Ford. I'm the campus pastor over at the Stewart's Creek campus and one of the elders at Life Point Church, and I'm very delighted and humbled to be with you here today. Um, preaching to you as, as our pastor uh, just continues in his season of healing. Uh, we are so thankful. I, you know, last week he, he announced that he would be coming back on January the 8th, and he's planning on doing that. And so we're so excited about that. I know you're excited about that. Um, and so it's, so it's so good as well to see our pastor every single week sitting right over there uh, practicing what he preaches and so uh, I'm thankful, uh, Pat, I, man, you just, you have our love and loyalty. And, um, and so he's just set a course for us to follow and, and let us just continue as we do many things for Pat. Y'all are praying for Pat. You're uh, telling him you love him. Those are great things. Um, but we may also continue to be, to be gatherers, givers, and goers for the gospel um, for this church. I know that would be a great encouragement to him. So um, in, in the office, uh, there's kind of a running joke that, that I, I, of all of the preachers, uh, I'm the one who preaches the longest. Uh, now, that's, I think that's an over-embellished misnomer, mostly fed by Pat. Uh, but here I am today, and I'm standing here, and he's, he's like staring at me with this omnipotent-like gaze. And so I'm a little nervous. Uh, pray for me today, all right? No, uh, no I, I want to start out this morning telling you about a story about a woman named Lisa Sells. Lisa loved two things. She loved Alabama football, and she loved the Lord. 
So since Jesus paid for all sins, the Alabama thing will be covered. Um, but Lisa was also a hairdresser in Murfreesboro. And uh, her, her salon was her mission field and her station was her pulpit. Uh, and in 2002, uh, a woman came in to get her hair done in Lisa's salon and that woman's life would never be the same. Uh, now, I don't know if you know this or not, but when some women go to a salon and get their hair done, something magically happens. The chair uh, is transformed into a couch and the hairstylist uh, turns into a counselor. All right, you, you know what I'm talking about. They start sharing their life. And so this young woman, she starts to pour out her life. She starts to tell her that she's a, a mom, she has four children, that she's married to an emotionally and physically absent husband who just works all the time. Her life just seems to be chaotic. It lacks joy and lacks purpose and meaning. Uh, and she, she just finds herself often saying, there has to be more than life than this. And so Lisa knew the situation was urgent. She knew that she had to get to the gospel. She knew that she had to get to Jesus with this woman. So she shared the gospel. The woman seemed curious, but not convinced. And so this young woman continued over the next uh, few months to get her hair done by Lisa. She, she poured into her. She continued to talk about Christ with her. And then uh, a great opportunity came up for Lisa to invite this mom to her church's VBS. Four kids, yeah, come on. So, so she invites her to the, to the VBS and the, the woman comes and she brings her kids. She walks into church. Lisa meets her there, meets her there. And she's, she's a little bit skeptical. She's thinking, why in the world would these people take my kids off my hands, especially for free? And so she, she's there and she's curious and she, she decides to stick around a little bit. And she starts hearing these amazing Bible stories that they're telling the kids. She herself has a childlike wonder because she didn't grow up in church hearing these things. And so she's hearing them. She's just amazed by it. She decides she comes back every single day at the VBS. She goes home at night and tells her husband, honey, you won't believe what they're telling the kids. These stories, they're amazing. You know, it's so good. I think I'm going to go back to church on Sunday. And he said, babe, that's great. You go do that. I'm going to stay home. Sunday's my day off, and I don't want to miss kickoff. I'm going to watch football. You go do that thing. So over the next course of the year, this woman attended that church. She went to church with Lisa. Lisa poured into her. Lisa continued to tell her the gospel of Jesus Christ. She invited her Wednesday night Bible study. She watched her children for her while she got to study. The husband occasionally would attend that church on and off, but mostly it was to appease his wife. And, uh, and so when he did, he, he would often sneak out before the service ended so he could avoid what he called weird Christians and uh, to make sure that he didn't miss the kickoff. And so the truth remained, though, that neither the husband or the wife, neither one of them had grasped the wonder of the gospel. Both of them were still hopelessly lost and they were dead in their trespasses and sins, and Lisa knew that. Another opportunity came up just a few months later. The church that Lisa attended was doing a, uh, a revival. They scheduled a revival and a fiery evangelist to come in to preach the gospel, the same message three nights in a row, because that is the best message a preacher ever has. It is the gospel. They preach. She invites uh, this family to come. They come. 
Lisa prays for God to save them. On the third day, God saved them. The husband, the wife, both beautifully surrendered their lives to Christ. And they were baptized the following weekend. Praise God. But the story doesn't end there. This young family uh, soon after moved, moved to a different area. They joined another church. They found another church. They started to come to the church. They started to understand their faith. They started to grow in their understanding of their Bibles. They started to uh, surround themselves with other Christians in life groups and being discipled by other people. Soon after that, their children professed Christ and were also baptized. They begin to serve in the youth ministry of that church, pouring into the youth and teaching them and sharing their faith the way that Lisa had shared to them. But it does not end there. The story does get better because several years later, maybe eight years later, this woman, this young woman who went in to get her hair done became a pastor's wife because her once spiritually dead, lethargic husband was called by God to be a pastor of an amazing church. They've been doing that for about 10 years now. Why is it that I share this specific story with you this morning? Because that woman who went in to get her hair done 20 years ago was my wife, Callie, and her husband is me. I'm overwhelmed. Obviously, this is all by the grace of God. But it's also because Lisa Sells refused to blush about her beliefs. She loved my wife enough to go tell her the good news of Jesus Christ on the mountain of her salon chair. We're in a series called Go Tell It on the Mountain. And I don't know, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think it's easy to go tell the good news of Jesus Christ on the mountain. Do you know why? Because there's no one on the mountain. (laughs) There's no one on the top of the mountain. There's no one to disagree with me. There's no one there to offend me. There's no one there to fire me. It's easy to go tell the good news of Jesus on the mountain. What's hard is to go tell the good news in my home, in my neighborhood. It's hard to tell the good news at our office Christmas party. It's hard to tell the good news to a coworker, to a friend, to a mother, to a father, to a brother, to a sister. It's hard to do those things, right? Well, if that's you and you're someone who blushes about their belief and has problems sharing your faith, today you're in the right place at the right time. Because today, we're going to look at the shepherds, who essentially were the first Christian evangelist. And so we're going to look at this little character study of the shepherds. And I believe that if we can look, study, I believe that we will be able to imitate the shepherds. And that we would remove the obstacles of us sharing our faith. And we too can possibly be used by God like Lisa So let's look at a few things today in this text. If you have your Bibles open, uh, we're gonna answer three questions. We're gonna answer the questions of who did God send? Why did they go? 
and how did they tell? Very practical today, all right? So let's first look at who did God send. Let's look at the text. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. For thousands of years, since God's promise in Genesis 3.15, God's people had waited. They waited for a savior. They had waited for a Messiah. They had waited for one to come who would bridge the gap between God and man and crush the serpent's head. Now it's time. He's here. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And God sends an angel to herald the good news. The the greatest news that the world has ever known, the, the, the news that would change the world forever. But surprisingly, he doesn't send the news to a king or a priest not to the educated or the elite, and not to the rich and the royals. He sends this news to a bunch of shepherds working the third shift in the field. It's, it's remarkably unremarkable. Why is it that God chose to send this news to these people to receive the good news? Now, some say different theories. Some would say that the reason that they came to the shepherds is because Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the chief shepherd over the church, the flock, and he watches over us. And so that's the reason. I think that's that's a true statement, but I don't think that's the primary reason that the God sent the angel to the shepherds. Some others say that uh, the reason that he sent them to the shepherds is because they were caring for sheep uh, who would eventually be used in a sacrifice at the Passover at nearby Jerusalem. And that this was foreshadowing uh, the death of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so I think that's a true statement, but I don't think that's the primary reason that this news goes to the shepherd. I think the primary reason that God sends this news to a shepherd is to let us know that God uses common people to share the good news. The shepherd, of course, when we read this here, we don't really have a lot of context here because most of us don't know a shepherd, right? You're probably not like, oh, no, my friend Bill in Las Casas, he's a shepherd, right? You, you probably don't have one. So uh, who are these shepherds? The shepherd and the vocation of a shepherd is one of the most common people in the first century. Common people. They were not social influencers, They were not educated. They were not elite. They were not popular. They were not professionally trained priests. They're just guys working the late shift, a common man working a common job. They're just shepherds. You know, I think what God's doing here is he's showing us how his economy works. In in the world's economy, the good news, first fruits of something good, usually comes to the popular, the elite, the wealthy, the rich, the superior, right? They're the ones who get not only the recipients of the first fruits of good news, but they also are the ones who get the task, right? 
But God's showing a new economy here. That the good news and the task of taking this good news comes to the lowly, the inferior, and the common people like you and like me. He's turning the economy upside down. Often we think God is pushing the envelope of our expectations, but really what he's doing here, he's tearing the whole envelope up. Paul would say it like this in 1 Corinthians 1.27. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God shows what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God is establishing a new economy where he uses people like you and me. He sends you and he sends me. Here's the point. If God can use common shepherds at their common jobs, not only can, but wants to, if he can do that with them, then he can do that with us. He wants to use me and you. He can use us, common people, to go share the good news of Jesus Christ. I think we often don't share because of reasons of we don't feel qualified. I'm not popular. I'm not a missionary. Uh, I'm not a seminary student. I'm not professionally trained. I don't know uh, all about the Bible. Like I, ha- I know people who can quote scripture. I can't quote my social security number. What if, what if someone comes in and asks me a hard question? Or, hey, I'm a little shy. I'm an Enneagram five. I don't really do that thing. I'm just not, I don't get out there and you know, share my faith. Like we use a lot of excuses of why we don't share. Or here's another one. We, we don't share because we think we We're still sinful people. We have all this sin. We're not godly enough to do this. What I want you to know is that God loves to use common people like you, like me. Nobody's for Christ. Hairdressers, contractors, nurses, police, uh, bankers, real estate agents, teachers. He loves to use people like that. Nobody's for Christ because he gets all of the glory. He doesn't call and send out these qualified people. He qualifies the people that he calls and sends out. And that's great news. It's also great news because God loves to use people who still have sin. You know why? Because there aren't any other kind around. It's all of us, right? This is great news. This kind of news that God can use us, that he wants to use, use us, even though we're imperfect, compelled the shepherds to go, and it compels us to go as well. And I pray that we all respond with an Isaiah-like, here I am, send me. Because you're in Christ, you are qualified to go. The second thing I want us to look at today is why did they go? So we know who went. What is the reason? What, what compelled them to go and share this good news? Let's look at the second point here. Why did they go? And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
In that text, I underline a couple of things because I want you to see the two primary reasons the shepherds went. They went because they had great fear and they went because they had good news of great joy. Let's look at both of those things here about this great fear and great joy. In verse nine, it says that when they had encountered this manifestation of God, this angel of the Lord, they had a great fear, a great fear. They were terrified by the experience. KJV has a translation that says they feared a great fear. When they had this encounter, they were scared to death. Now, if you can just kind of imagine the setting at pitch black night, they can't see anything. Uh, they're caring for the sheep. And, and so there's threats all around. There's thieves, there's wolves all around. They can't see anything. And then in this moment, the sky explodes. Light is bright. The glory of God shines all over the sky and they see an angel of the Lord. Now, I know that when we usually think of angels on tree toppers and Christmas tree ornaments, we think cuddly cute, right? Isn't that what we typically think of? I think it is. Uh, but that is not what they experienced. I think a more biblically accurate picture of what they may have seen might help us figure out why they had such great fear. Look at this picture here. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, listen, this is a, a picture. Uh, l listen, I'm not gonna get into literal figurative kind of things in there, uh, but Revelation 4, 8 kind of describes a couple of angels, Lord here. And so you have this picture here, right? And so you look at that and you, first of all, you say, ain't nobody got that on their tree topper, right? Maybe if you did, the kids wouldn't come around the tree and sneak peek at their presence, maybe. I don't know. But this is kind of a, they were scared. I don't know if it's literal, but that's what they saw. And they were scared to death. The reality of this is every time we see a manifestation of God in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, or an angel of the Lord appearing in some kind of dramatic way, People don't respond with a, hey, that's cool. No, no, they respond with, woe is me. Depart from me, I am a sinner. They, they come in that moment with acknowledging the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. This is what they are experiencing here in this moment. Now, the shepherds experienced great fear. Why that's important is this, is because they were under Roman oppression from Caesar Augustus. In this time here, Caesar was sovereign. They were supposed to fear Caesar. So with any kind of news to go out and proclaim, hey, there's a new savior, a new king who's come, they could have been accused of treason and of course put to death. And against that backdrop, they could have been afraid to share the good news. Thank God knew that. And so here he gives them a glimpse of his glory. So they would experience great fear and be reminded that Caesar is not sovereign. God is sovereign. 
Now, I think we can learn a few things about this, this response about fear. Uh, I'm gonna get to those in just a minute. Let me show you the second reason really quickly. The second reason that they went is because they had received good news of great joy. The angel comes in and kind of dismisses and shushes their fear. And he says, I've got good news of great joy. Look at Luke 2.11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel gives them good news of great joy. That their Savior has come, that their sins are forgiven, their hope is secure, they have a new king, and he's a good king. This to them was good news of great joy. They were afraid of God, and now they are happy in God. And because of their overwhelming joy, their happiness of God, the good news that they received, they could not help but go tell people good news. We know this to be true in our lives about trying to keep good news. We love to share good news, right? It, it, we, we, we love to share good news. We love to share good news about our children, their accomplishments, our spouses, we're sharing good news here. We're sharing good news there. We're sharing good news about what we eat and we're showing people the pictures of what we eat. We have no problem sharing good news. Uh, we have no problem sharing that there's a Whataburger coming to Smyrna. <laughs> I mean, everybody's evangelizing Whataburger right now. It's not hard to do that, right? How much more those who have received the good news of great joy in Jesus are we to call and go and share this good news? We are called to respond the same way that the shepherds did. And you might say, well, you know, if an angel of the Lord cracked the sky open and he did that to me and he spoke that to me audibly, I heard it then I would go. That would be good motivation. You might be kind of tracking there. Well, I wanna make a case that we too could experience the same great fear and the same good news of great joy that the shepherds experienced. If, if we needed an angel of the Lord to come through the sky to scare us to death like he did the shepherds, to give us the good news audibly, if we needed that in order to go God would give that to us. He would say, I, let me do what I did to the shepherds. But he hasn't done that, has he? He hasn't done that. I would argue that he's giving us something greater. Instead of opening up the sky, he's opened up his mouth. Instead of speaking, us, speaking to us through an angel, he has spoken to us by his word, the Bible. And every time we open up our Bibles, we too can encounter the same God that the shepherds did. We too should experience great fear and the good news of Jesus Christ. Great fear and the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to be reminded that we are not to fear man, that we are to fear God. When we, and that's one of the greatest threats to us sharing the good news, right? It's we're afraid of people. 
of the response of people and what they're going to do. I want you to know when we do that, we are ascribing them sovereignty over us. We're giving them dominion and we're giving them power over us. And I want us to remember God is God and people are not. God is God, God is sovereign. And if we are to fear anyone, we are to fear God, not man. We are to fear, as Jesus said in Matthew, the one who can destroy both body and soul. We too, when we open our Bibles, we can experience great fear. I don't know if you're like me. Every time I read my Bible, I am reminded of the smallness of me and the bigness of God. I'm reminded of the holiness of God when I read my Bible and the sinfulness of me. And that reminds me to fear God and not to fear man. Every time I read this book, I'm reminded of the good news of great joy that God has given to me. The same God who gave it to the shepherds has given us this very good news and how much more, again, that we ought to be going and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ as we go. We have good news, church. Let us go tell of the good news and respond like the shepherds, of course. We see they said, let us go. The last piece is how do we tell it? We know who God sends. We know why we should go. How do we tell? This is the, the practical piece of what most people want to know. And so let's get here. How do we tell? And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. Actually, let's go back one. It should be, let me, get, give, give, me uh, give me 216. Here we go. Let's go 216. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So think about this. Luke didn't say after receiving the news that they went with hesitancy. He says they went with haste. They went with great urgency. They went right now. Sharing the good news became the most uh, important thing in their life, the top priority, and they went with haste. There's a great lesson for us here, church. We are not to be hesitant with this good news. We are to go with haste, and we have to remember that we are to go to people and not wait on people to come to us. We are to go with haste. And I think this is a hard thing for us because it's so easy to put evangelism kind of on the back burner of our lives. I think it's so easy to get caught up in all of the other things that we have in our lives. It's easy to hesitate before we get to the gospel with people and share. But Luke reminds us here that we must go with haste. We have to remember that the majority of people in this world are perishing in their sins. That they're not only lacking joy, but they also are under judgment. I wanna read a quote uh, to you from Charles Spurgeon, who's basically an old dead guy who the Baptists view as the fourth person of the Trinity. 
Uh, let's read this. This is what he says about this idea of going with haste. He says, if, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned. Church, we must go with haste. Do not hesitate at the one you know that needs to hear this good news in your life. Go with haste and go with the good news. I think the second thing I want to show you here is this, this one blew me away. Let's go to 17. Look what else that they do. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Now, don't miss this. Don't, don't miss this. Remember, for just a minute, put on uh, your sanctified imaginations. Experience what they just experienced in the field. It's pitch black. It's dark at night. Explosion in the sky. The glory of God shines so bright. It brights up the whole sky. An angel of the Lord appears to them. It just, it's just all over the sky. And then the, the multitude of angels kind of flash mob them, start singing over them. There's this experience that they just experienced that, that like nothing else in their entire life, nothing else that you and I have ever experienced in our life. They just experienced that. But when they got to Bethlehem, we don't see in the text they said anything about that. We're told that when they got there, they made known the saying concerning the child. Church, they got to Jesus. They went with haste and they got to Jesus. They started talking about the child when they got there, not their experiences, not the thing they saw in the sky. They talked about the things concerning the child. That, that blew me away this week in my study. I just can't imagine if I experienced something like that, that the thing I go tell people is about the thing concerning the child. This church is the great lesson that we go with haste, but church, we've got to get to Jesus. We have to get to the things concerning the child. This is people's greatest need. People who don't know Jesus need to hear the news concerning the child. This is why when we go, we don't lead out with our political views Here's, here's the position on sexuality and gender and, and let me talk to you about race and let me talk to you about uh, the culture and the environment, the flat earth and the round earth. Let me, let me talk to you about all these things. No, we, we go and tell them the thing concerning the child. I'm not saying that those things are not important. Please hear me because we talk about those things all the time, don't we? What I'm saying is that those things require unveiled eyes to understand. And the thing that we go with 
if we want to impact the world and change the world and let God's kingdom on and heaven come to earth, the thing that we tell people about the most is the things concerning the child. We get to Jesus. We get to Jesus. And another great reason why we get to Jesus is just people, their ultimate need, who don't know Jesus, they don't need a life coach. They don't need you and me telling them how they should live their life differently. Hey, you're making a lot of bad decisions. You should really change the way you're living. You, you should probably start, stop dating this person, start marrying this person, spend your money a little bit wisely. If you would stop getting drunk and doing all these things, maybe your life wouldn't be so bad. If you, if you could just change your life, then you'd be all right. You, that's not what they need. They don't need a life coach. They don't need Joel Osteen to give them life coaching advice. They need Jesus. They need to hear the news concerning the child because he's the only one that can change them. This is great for us. When we go, church, let the news concerning the child be the loudest thing that we are known for. No other thing. He alone is of first importance. Christian evangelist is our first call, not cultural warriors. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to preach the news of the first importance of Jesus. Look at what Paul said here, 1 Corinthians. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Church, this is the message that people have to hear to have eternal life. They need to hear about the child, Jesus Christ. They need to hear that we're born in death, that sin is the cause and Christ is the cure. This is the call to go. The last thing I want to show you is when the shepherds left, I want you to see their response. When they left, they had been faithful. They went, they knew why, and then they shared. I want you to see after they did that, the response of the shepherds was not self-congratulation. It wasn't, oh man, you should have seen what I did. Oh man, I was so good. I, I got right to Jesus and I, I told him about Jesus and I went and I dropped everything and well, I just kind of pat myself on the back. Look how good I did. That's not what they did. Luke says they left praising God for all of it. They left with praise and honor and all glory and all power and dominion be unto God. This is the lot of all Christians when we are faithful and when we are obedient to go and God uses us, we do not congratulate ourselves. We give all praise, all honor, and all glory unto God. And it gives us great joy to be used by God, doesn't it? Some of you in here, like the Lisa story got you because you've done that to people and people have done that to you. Doesn't that give you incredible joy and purpose to be used by God? Of course it does. It leaves us all praising God. The band's gonna come out and we're gonna respond in a couple of different ways this morning. The first thing I want to, to do here, whenever I preach, um, I, I know there's a lot of people here. I never presume that everyone here has gone to Bethlehem in their 
head and hearts and seen the things concerning the child. I don't presume that everybody in here has received and embraced the good news of Jesus Christ. So again, the good, old, timeless gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. You and I were born far, far away from God. Our sin separates us from God. There is a gulf between us and God that is so big. It's so unimaginable how far the gap is. And we can never, ever close the gap with our good deeds and our works and our morality. Far from God, separated from God forever and ever. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that God came near to us. He came down in flesh through the person of Jesus Christ, lived our lives for us, died our death that we deserve, resurrected on the third day so that you and I could be brought near to God. So let me ask you a question today. If you knew how far away from God you are and God came near to you, how long would it take you to go see Jesus? How long would it take you to go see the God who came near? And I want you to know today, he's come near so that all may believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. My encouragement to you, if you've never given your life to Christ, don't hesitate. Go with haste to the cross. Come to Jesus. If you want to talk to a pastor today, there will be some people out in the lobby. Grab someone. We'd love to talk with you. I'll be glad to sit out there and talk with you. Uh, Go with haste to go talk to a pastor today. For those who have believed, you have received this good news of the gospel, uh, I want to remind you, God has sent you, common, everyday people. He has given you a reason to go, and he has told you how to do it. It's time to go. We've been talking about this for three weeks now. It's time to go. It's time to go into Smyrna. It's time to go into Laverne and Middle Tennessee and Murfreesboro. It's time to go to your mom. It's time to go to your dad, to your brother, your sister, your friend, your neighbor, the family that's coming in for Christmas this week. It's time to go to tell them the good news, the greatest news that they have ever heard in their entire life. It's time to go. So what I want to do where you are in your seats, I want to give you just a moment to bow your heads in an individual prayer and just pray that God would put that one person on your head and on your heart. Pray that God would give you, remind you of his truths today and the scriptures that would activate your hands and your feet and your mouth to go share the good news. You do that where you seat and then I'm going to close us out in a prayer in just a moment. So bow your heads.
Father, thank you for coming near to us. Thank you for sending your one and only son out of your great love and your mercy to save sinners like us. Thank you for the good news of sending it to us. And God, thank you for showing us the way that you would want us to follow. Because you came to us, we go to others. Because you came when it was time, we go. It's time now. We go with great haste. We go and we get to Jesus. So God, in these moments, God, just bring up the people in our life that we know that we need to tell the good news to. Activate us with strength and courage and conviction. God, deliver us from slavery of the approval of other people. Help us to not fear you, but healthily, or not fear man, but to fear you above all things. Fill us up with great joy to go. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. We are gonna close with a congregational prayer, a we kind of prayer, an anthem that we would all declare. Travis, you want them to stand up while we do this? Is that cool? Yeah. All right, you guys stand up. We're gonna, we're gonna read this prayer. It's gonna be up on the screen. This is our proclamation uh, about our going. So let's read this uh, prayer together. Oh God, you have made one blood of all peoples of the earth and sent your blessed son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Love you guys. Thank y'all.